2: Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes past nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 18th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. A couple of fantastic guests going to join me this morning in about uh, 25 minutes or so. We're going to talk to Grover Norquist. Uh, Americans for Tax Reform. Uh, obviously, Grover Norquist is um, uh, is one of the foremost authorities on the issue of taxes in America, and he is going to respond to Bernie Sanders' statement that he believes that Americans would be delighted to pay. Much higher taxes if it gets them all of the government programs that he and his socialist ilk are pushing. So we're going to get Grover Norquist's response to that. He also wants to weigh in on the mother of all tax increases, which would, of course, be any semblance of the Green New Deal being pushed by uh many democrats uh, of course uh, at the uh, spearheading of uh Kelly Bundy Cortez so Grover Norquist is going to be joining us to talk taxes at 9:35 and if you think to yourself uh oh, who wants to talk about taxes that's boring uh then you just don't you haven't heard Grover uh so you need to listen Grover Norquist at 9:35 and then at 10:05 yeah that's when we reach uh peak our our peak uh, level of performance because that's when Peter Kirchner will be by Peter will be joining us to talk about a number of things including the polls that show the president of the United States losing to Joe Biden by double digits and, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders by nine. And we're also going to talk to, uh, to, uh, Peter Kirsten now about, and by the way, the president kicks off his campaign tonight. Are you, li- are you paying attention? I know I'm getting off track. Are you paying attention to the lines of people out there in, uh, in Orlando? Holy goodness. They got in line 30 to 40, some of them two full days, 48 hours in advance of tonight's uh, uh, presidential reelection kickoff rally down in Orlando to make sure that they were able to get in. The people down there in Orlando and from wherever else they came, are just all about President: Trump. He's going
1: to be uplifting to us, and you know, we all anticipate that he will be announcing officially his
2: run for 2020. This, these are just some of the uh, some of the folks in line uh, uh, and who have been in line for two days now for tonight's rally. A,
1: a reaffirmation uh, that we're gonna make America great again. They're screaming.
0: Four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Well,
1: the weather stinks, but you know what? Um, at least it's not ninety, a hundred degrees where we're melting. It's part of the process if you're gonna be first in line. We're here to support Trump. We love our president. Support the greatest president of all time.
2: They are fired up down there in Orlando. So just to throw that out there, the president is actually about to kick off his re-election campaign. Whether that moves the polls or not, I don't know. We'll talk to Peter about that, but we're also going to talk to Peter about our lead stories of the day. There are two stories of the day involving a lot of movement. One of them moving toward the Middle East, one of them moving out of the United States of America. We'll start with the former. The President of the United States is taking some heat for calling the Iranian attacks on oil tankers in the open sea, uh, calling this a a very minor deal, Uh, and I'm paraphrasing that. He used the word minor, saying that this is not that big of a deal. And yet, U.S. Central Command, CENTCOM, released new images uh, showing the aftermath of mine attacks, against those two oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman last week, um, including some of them showing Iranian forces removing an unexploded device from the hull of one of the vessels. And uh, hours after the release of those images, Acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan said, yes, the Pentagon is approving a request from CENTCOM to send approximately 1,000 additional troops to the Middle East to address air, naval, and ground-based threats in the region. The recent Iranian attacks validate the reliable, credible intelligence we have received on hostile behavior by Iranian forces and their proxy groups that threaten the United States personnel and interests across the region, end quote. This from Patrick Shanahan, defense secretary. Uh, He went on to say, quote, the United States does not seek conflict with Iran. The action today is being taken to ensure the safety and welfare of our military personnel working throughout the region. And to protect our national interests now that's fine, and I have no doubt whatsoever that is what uh uh you know the the Pentagon's plan is here saying we are not seeking any kind of a you know military conflict with Iran, but you just heard Tom cotton did you not Tom Cotton was on with donald or with uh, donald trump with uh, Hugh Hewitt uh in the uh, uh, uh previous hour, and Tom cotton. Not this past hour, not the 7 o'clock hour of the, or 8 o'clock hour of the Hewitt show, but the 7 o'clock hour. And Tom Cotton said the same thing that he said on CBS on Sunday, and that is, this does deserve a military response. Tom Cotton says that unprovoked attacks on oil tankers from Iran warrant a retaliatory military strike. And that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. He was talking to Margaret Brennan on CNN on, or excuse me, on CBS on Sunday and made that statement. He made the same statement to Hugh Hewitt today. So he wants a military strike. We can't play around here. President Trump says, eh, it's pretty minor. And the Pentagon says, we're sending a thousand troops to the Middle East. Now that's obviously not a massive number, but it is indicative of, well, that the Pentagon is taking this a lot more seriously. If, if there were two sides here, if there were the cotton side saying, "We need a military strike to respond to really show Iran stop messing around you don 't start attacking oil tankers and thus trying to disrupt the flow of energy um, uh, you know from uh, you know a transnational uh, movement you don 't want to you don 't want to allow them to think that they can continue to do this. We need to strike them now to show them this is a one time deal and a one time deal only here's here 's what we 're doing. Uh, and then if the other side is the president saying it's pretty minor, um, Pentagon is siding with cotton, saying, yeah, we're sending a 1,000 forces down there, 1,000 troops down there, rather, uh, to the Middle East to address this. The recent Iranian attacks validate the reliable, credible intelligence we have received on hostile behavior by Iranian forces. That statement is pretty doggone unambiguous. That's the Pentagon taking cues from CENTCOM. And the President, the Commander-in-Chief, uh, seems to be a little bit less than excited about all of this. The military says some of the 11 new images taken from a Navy helicopter show members of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC uh, Navy, removing a limpet mine from the side of a Japanese-owned Kokuka uh, Courageous oil tanker. Other photos show a large hole in the side of the Courageous above the waterline that officials say appears to have been caused by another mine. In a statement, CENTCOM uh, reaffirmed the Trump administration's previous claim that Iran was responsible for the attacks uh, on the Kukuka Courageous and the Front Altair based on video evidence and resources and proficiency. Uh, I'm sorry, based on video evidence, evidence and the resources and proficiency needed to quickly remove the unexploded limpin mine. The images were made public one day before Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was scheduled to meet with CENTCOM commanders on uh, today. Pompeo said uh, that a new deployment of U.S. troops to the Middle East is an option in response to last week's attack. So, that's where we are. So, we're sending troops to the Middle East. What does that mean? That sound like uh, there are war drums beating. And will the President of the United States be blamed for this? Already he will. Of course he will. What am I saying? Even before we announce these troops being moved, which, of course, I think Tom Cotton would approve of if there is a military strike in retaliation for this that is in the works. Um, but the President was already being blamed for this. President, you know, it, listen, Just listening, I, I'm going to kind of go off script a little bit here. Not that I'm scripted, but I want to share a, uh, a a message from... Representative Jihad Omar, sometimes known as Ilhan Omar, um, who seems to be doing solid propaganda work for the Ayatollah in Iran. She tweeted yesterday that this is all Trump's fault. Quote, none of this would be happening if Trump didn't back out of the Iran nuclear deal. America's response should be, to return to the table and reinstate the Iran nuclear deal. Increasing tensions and threats of war serve nobody's interests. I I, I mean, it's essentially she's just working directly for the Iranian regime, working directly for the Ayatollah. She is the head of the Hamas caucus in the U.S. House, uh, and, and this is nothing but propaganda work that helps the Iranians, not the United States. She wants the President of the United States to go back to the negotiating table with the Iranians to help reinstate a deal that was struck by Barack Obama and John Kerry, among others, that allowed them to continue their <laughs> nuclear uranium enrichment that has led them to where they are now and has emboldened them to go out there and make these, these sorts of provocative attacks on oil tankers. This is exactly why that deal was bad, because it encouraged them. When the president pulled out of it, that was the best thing we could have done. And now, according to Tom Cotton, the best thing that we could have done and could do is to use a military strike. I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Second story. Well, I'm here in music, so I can, I'll hold off on the second story of day of the day involving moving people out of the United States, not troops. But in this case, illegal aliens. Big news from the president. We'll share that coming up. And again, I want your reaction to it. 216 as we continue on AIM 1420, The Ants. 900-0442. All right, 923, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us. Grover Norquist going to be around in about uh, 11, 12 minutes. Peter Kersenow at the top of the next hour, so you got a lot of really great stuff to look forward to. Uh, President, I'm looking forward to this, and I've been waiting and wondering when the United States was going to move on this. Let's just get him out. Let's start the deportation process. We got all of these issues about how we're going to stop more uh, illegal aliens from coming in. Phony asylum seekers coming in from Central America. We found out yesterday that there were some 500 from Central Africa who, had, uh, who were standing outside the, uh, uh, the uh, U.S.-Mexico uh, border. Uh, waiting to come in and claim asylum. They're coming from all over the world. We know they're coming from Middle Middle East. They're coming from Europe. They're coming from everywhere. This is not just a Mexican problem, not even just a Central American problem anymore. This There is an open invitation to come to the United States because our do-nothing Democrat Congress will not do anything at all to rewrite the asylum laws and change them so that people don't think they can just come in, say the magic words, I'm seeking political asylum or religious asylum or this asylum or that asylum, and then be released into the United States, never to be seen again. There's an open call saying, come on in right now, and we need to do something about it. When are we going to start deporting those who are already here? Well, the president said, next week. president tweeted late last night, that U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, that's ICE, will initiate removal proceedings for millions of foreign nationals deemed illegally present, present in the United States. Direct quote from the President. Next week, this is late last night, next week ICE will begin the process of removing the millions of illegal aliens who have illicitly found their way into the United States. They will be removed as fast as they come in. Mexico, using their strong immigration laws, is doing a very good job of stopping people. Now, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, that's, of course, what the plan is. The president was was threatening to put tariffs on Mexico, Mexican goods, coming into the United States, which would have been very, very uh, uh, destructive to their already fragile economy. And in response to that, they said, okay, we're going to stop letting people come through our country and, and fly, you know, flood into yours, uh, which is something that should have been going on all along. Mexico, using their strong immigration laws, is doing a very good job of stopping people long before they get to our southern border. The president said, Guatemala is getting ready to sign a safe third agreement. The only ones who won't do anything are the Democrats in Congress. They must vote to get rid of the loopholes and fix asylum. If so, border crisis will end quickly. This is all from the president's tweets last night. Now, this announcement made by Twitter comes hours after the U.S. State Department spokeswoman Morgan Ortega announced that the U.S. would be cutting off aid to the three Central American countries, the triangle countries as they are known, massively contributing to the influx of migrants crossing the U.S. southern border. And, again, they're not just Hondurans. They're not El Salvadorans. They're not all um, uh, Guatemalans. They are now, again, Africans. They are Europeans. They are Middle East. I mean, they're coming from everywhere. They're just flocking to those Central American countries and using that as the rally point, you know, the staging ground, in order to begin their new trek up north through Mexico without any resistance hopefully, until now, um, until they get to the United States. And they know what to do then, too. They cross our non-border wall-protected boundaries because, again, the Democrats won't allow this to happen to support the sovereignty and protect the United States of America. The non-border wall-protected boundaries are then flooded by uh, illegal aliens from all of these different countries who get into the U.S. and then seek out Border Patrol agents to say, hi, I'm here illegally, but I'm here claiming asylum. And then they have to be given that process uh, that allows them to be released into the United States where they never return for their asylum hearing. So instead of cutting more than $615 million in aid to Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, the U.S. will now cut just $432 million in previously approved projects and grants because they say... Uh, they are going to work harder with these safe third agreements. Uh, work harder to uh, stop the um, uh, flow of of, of of asylum seekers, which is essentially again, they're phony. They're they're free. They're fakes. They're frauds. They're not asylum seekers. They're just looking for an easy access to the United States, and the and the word asylum uh, is uh, is their ticket. It's like a key. Put a key in the lock at the southern border. It's asylum. Up. Oh, it opened. There it is. That's all you have to do. Mark and Fairview wanted to get in before the bottom of the hour, and that's probably a pretty good idea since Grover Norquist is waiting on the other side. Hey, Mark, go ahead. Oh, good morning, Bob. Uh, uh, my brother was in town here from
0: uh, L.A. for a week and a half or so and went back, and uh, you could, I got a call from him.
2: Poor guy. Uh, last back. night, and he was surprised to hear you on the radio because he hears you here when he comes to visit. But uh, they had a big Republican picnic out there, and he said that uh, last night he told me, he said, You were the talk of the picnic. He's there, and the people there, they all concluded. Uh, that if Dennis Prager's slot uh, 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 oh, is Prager. open or any other opens up, you need to go national. Oh, well, that's very kind. Tell, tell your brother I appreciate that. Tell him I also feel badly for him that he had to leave the uh, great heartland uh, of Ohio to go back to the cesspool that is uh, Los Angeles. Uh, but tell him I appreciate that. That's very kind of him. To I was watching, trying to figure out where you're going with that. It was for you talking about when I sent in for Prager. Uh, and you right. he heard, he heard me out there. Okay, got it. Well, that's nice to know. I appreciate that. I, I, I hope to be the talk at more picnics in the future. That's, uh, that. oh. <laughs> okay, Bob. Well, you have a nice Ma- day then, Mark. Pass on my thanks to him. Thank you, and thank you for the kind words. I do appreciate that. Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform, going to join us next, right here on the answer. All right. It is nine thirty-five now. As we continue on AM fourteen twenty, the answer will get back to your phone calls at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five in due time. Triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Don't forget Twitter, Facebook, and Parlor. Pa. The uh, liberals at the other ones, uh, but I'm at all three platforms: Twitter, Facebook, and Parlor at France Radio. F R A N T Z Radio. That's all one word, no spaces, and no underscores. All right, as promised, uh, I want to shift gears, talk a little bit about taxes. Bernie Sanders said last week that you would be delighted to pay higher taxes if it means getting more free stuff, get that, pay more for quote-unquote free stuff from the government. Uh, joining us to break break that down and analyze uh, the reality of that situation is the president of Americans for Tax Reform, maybe the preeminent tax analyst in the uh, country today, Grover Norquist, joining us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Grover, good to have you. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Wonderful. Good to be with you. So would you be delighted uh, to pay higher taxes uh, so that we could get more stuff from the government like Medicare for All? That's what Bernie says we're happy to do.
3: I think this is a breakthrough. I think it could solve many of the country's problems. I had thought that the Democrats fully understood that you had to come in and physically take money from people who earned it to give it to other people to pay off their friends. They're now announcing that everyone would be delighted to give (laughs) money uh, to the government to fund these programs, which means we can now return to a voluntary system uh, for a lot of these things that they've taken over and made mandatory and put inside the government. So this, I think, is a very good idea. Uh, if he needs to steal the money from us to do it, and he's lying, then we didn't really want it. So if he just asks people to send it in, and there is a line on your um, well, there's a website you can go to, uh, and, and to send more money to the federal government, six states have tax me more lines, like Massachusetts and Arkansas, there's a little line there, I wait, 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 I'd like to pay more, and you can do that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited at this idea. Uh, I tend to think it's nonsense, but, um, if he believes truly that people think they're getting, it, it, here's the first person he should talk to, um, somebody like, um, Bloomberg or, um, uh, any of these, uh, rich, uh, Bill Gates. Okay. They How about Warren Buffett? Money Warren Buffett, counts too. If they believe that the government spent money well, they would not organize around the death tax, right? They would either pay the very high death tax that has existed over the years or write a check to the government when they die. But they put their money into a foundation so the government gets none of it, so they don't pay taxes on it. So their hierarchy is the government is smarter than you. The hoi polloi, the the masses, and they can spend your money better than you can. But I, Bill Gates, and I, Warren Buffett, um, we can spend our money better than the government because we're smarter than the government, and we're smart. And by, trans, you know, by translation, we're smarter than you. So there's a hierarchy. We're the smart people, and there's the government to take care of all the not smart people. And they, if they truly believe that the government was competent, you always give speeches. The government should do this. The government should do more. The government should right but they believe they are better judges of how to spend their money than the government is. It's just the government's better at it than you. Uh, it's a real sign of contempt for taxpayers that some of these rich donors to foundations are every one of those big foundations, Ford foundation, Rockefeller foundation with somebody saying, I do not trust the government to spend my money. Well, I will set up a committee and we'll do it over here. Yeah. Private charity. Um, which is fine, but why aren't the rest of us allowed to be left alone to decide how to spend the money that we earned?
2: Grover Norquist is our guest, president of Americans uh, for Tax Reform. You know, it's it's great points you're making about uh, some of those you know billionaires uh, in in the corporate world, but but I'm interested more in the politicians like Bernie Sanders because I think it's the same thing yeah. here. Send us more money, we will spend it better than you can because we are smarter than you. You don't know how to find your own insurance, so we're going to go ahead and and create this massive Medicare for All thing, and then they, we're going to you know uh, we're going to banish um, private insurance companies to the wind, uh, and and we're going to take care of you here so i mean it's essentially the same thing but to me these are the decision makers these are the people that we actually send to uh, washington to make our decisions for us and thus are telling them okay we trust you to be smarter than us and this is what they're giving back to us they're telling us you know and and grover let's let's leap from bernie sanders telling us that we would be delighted to send in more money and i love your idea by the way yeah let's make it voluntary since we'll be so happy to do so but let's let's jump further to the green new deal or the number of variations of the Green New Deal that so many of the Democratic presidential contenders have embraced. In fact, I think all of them have embraced despite the fact that none of them voted for it when Mitch McConnell threw it up for a vote since AOC, uh, suggested this. But, uh, uh, but this would be what about a 30, 40, 50, 90 trillion dollar boondoggle that they actually want to confiscate all of our funds and let the government run everything.
3: It's 90 trillion, 93 trillion over a decade, so 9 trillion a year. Uh, they're whining because the government spends a trillion more than they take in taxes. Uh, so what they want to do, according to them, is raise taxes a trillion to get rid of the debt without cutting any spending, and then add another 9 trillion to that and raise taxes for that. We're talking $10 trillion, which is a trillion dollar tax increase every year for 10 years. Uh, I mean, this, this is, um, I'm sorry. It's a $10 trillion, <laughs> ten, 10, I'm getting my numbers on 10 trillion for you in higher taxes, right. higher spending. uh, this is beyond ludicrous. And if you've ever wondered whether the president has a point when he talks about the press being dishonest, if the Republicans proposed $10 trillion of defense spending, um, that they would go nuts about how ridiculous this is and how expensive it is and demand to see every single tax penny you plan to raise on it who it was going to come from. But they allow the Democrats to have this fantasy life uh, where they have imaginary money coming from imaginary things and then they buy real votes with imaginary money. And that's the pain. I mean, they will buy real votes with imaginary money, uh, other people's money, and some of that stuff that they're promising will never happen. Remember when the president had to throw the... Democrat leaders out of the house, out of the White House, because they came sure. and said, oh, "We're going to talk about infrastructure." Okay, and the president wasn't aware that "infrastructure" is a French word that means everything except roads. So, when Democrat tells you they're for infrastructure, they want to build roads. They say roads, okay, but they don't say roads. They say infrastructure, <coughs> which is the way of saying not roads. So, they sent them an insulting letter saying, "You want? Let's talk about infrastructure." Um, and on the list was about eight things that they wanted to spend money on. Not one of them included the word roads, bridges, or highway. There's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it was like a stimulus package. And so he went in, and they had no intention of building roads, and they did want to have permanent tax increases, at which point the president said, we're not raising taxes, and you guys aren't building roads. So, And all you want to do is a wonderful quote in the newspaper. Um, I don't know if it was said at the meeting or, or to the paper afterwards. The president said, you know what they want me to do? They wanted me to go raise taxes so they could go spend this money. And then, like George Herbert Walker Bush, they trashed me for having raised taxes, right? So they get the money, spend it, and then attack me for having broken my word not to raise taxes. Absolutely. I said, We're not playing that game. We're not playing that game. He was smarter. Than, he didn't say this, but I will. He yeah. was smarter than George Herbert Walker Bush. Uh,
2: Grover, instead of raising taxes, um, can we talk a little bit more about lowering taxes? Uh, The President's uh, historic tax cuts have an end date obviously, and that was one of the biggest problems a lot of people had with it, is that the corporate rates uh, uh, corporate cuts were permanent, but the uh, individual tax rates were not, uh, Their tax cuts were not, that there's an end date in 10 years, so now we're what, 8 years away from that. Um, Do you think that there will be a movement from the President, or, and I know of course this would require uh, the Republicans to win back the House, um in order to get this thing done. But do you think that they will try to uh, take that sun- that sunset clause away, and do you think there will be round two of tax cuts, or do you think they're going to stop where they are?
3: No, absolutely. The plan was always to – there were two need Republicans in the Senate and that made it difficult to get a, as large a tax cut as we needed and wanted and to make it more, last longer. So we took the president wisely. Took what he could get. He's a negotiator, right? He's not a fan of this. He's the negotiator. Get as good as you can get for the American people. Come back and ask for more. So the next time we have a Republican president, House and Senate, which is hopefully after the 2020 election, the Republicans only need to win 18 House seats. They lost 40. Uh, many of those, more than half of those, were carried by Trump. Uh, so if we just go back and win the Trump seats back, we'll have the House of Representatives uh, back. We'll hold on to the Senate. The president. Can, um, he get himself reelected. He should with the economy he's running, but he's running against the press as well as 20 other people. Uh, so if we can do that, then the first thing they'll do is to extend out all of the quote-unquote temporary to 10-year uh, tax cuts for individuals and small businesses. Uh, I think we'll also move to take the business tax from 21 down to 15, which is what the president wanted in the first place. That would make us more competitive in Europe. Right now, we're OK, competitive with Europe, which is much better than where we were before Trump, which was 35 percent when European average was low 20s. Uh, we, we had a higher business tax than communist China. How dumb is that? Uh, finally, we got that fixed. But there's more to do. I mean, I want to be up front. Number one, that's what the president wants. Is not not America, just like everyone else. <laughs> no worse than everyone else. How about America? Lower tax than everybody else. So uh, those would be very big. And the other one that looks good, and the president has spoken highly of this. Is an executive order out of Treasury Department, which says that we will no longer tax inflation when you have gains in capital gains. So when your house is worth more, of the part that's inflation, you don't pay capital gains on that. If you own land and sell it, or stocks that you know you or your your grandparents have that you've held for a long time, a lot of the gain there is in inflation. It's not real gain, and uh, they can by executive order say we're not doing that recent Supreme Court decision in 2002, if that's not too recent, but 2002, makes it clear that you can do that. Uh, We get that done before this year. I think we'll see some increased economic growth in the stock market back on the move again.
2: Uh, Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, is our guest. Real briefly, um, your thoughts on the the trade war and the ongoing tariffs with China, and obviously the president did not in- impose or institute tariffs on Mexico because they have promised to do what they were supposed to all along, and that is uh, crack down on the uh, their own southern border and to stop the um, the land bridge, which essentially Mexico has become from the Central American countries to the United States. Um, but, um, you know, the left is freaking out about these. Obviously, there is short term pain for consumers sometimes in higher, higher prices. Certainly, farmers are impacted by this. And I know this isn't exactly tax policy, but kind of all, it's all in the stew. Uh, how do you feel about, yeah. uh, the ongoing tariffs on China?
3: Well, it is tax policy because, because tariffs are a tax at the border. Yeah, uh, they are. For much of, much of our history in the United States, the only taxes we had were tariffs. We sold land. We had tariffs and we bothered people who drank cigarettes, uh, drank uh, liquor and made taxes on them. But that was it for taxes uh, for many, many years, except for when we had like the war. Uh, so there are taxes, And we almost had a civil war over the tariff in the 1830s. Uh, South Carolina called out its militia because of the tariffs. Uh, so it's a big deal. Tariffs. Uh, the president's goal, as he has said repeatedly, is is free and fair trade uh, across borders, where we don't get cheated. What, and what happens with China is that they've been stealing our intellectual property, right? That's not a trade issue. That's a fact issue. But right. so he's trying to use the tariffs to get them to stop stealing our uh, our movies, our software, our computer stuff, you know, our patents. Um, this is a real challenge, uh, and we would like them to knock it off. Uh, and the president got them to agree to do this, and then they agreed to everything, except the enforcement provisions. <laughs> they backed off at the last minute. That's why the president was kind of Irritated, not not just disappointed, but irritated, because he thought they had a deal. And hopefully we can get back to that deal, which would be very good for the United States, very good for growth and jobs and wealth creation. And they would reduce some of the tariff and non-tariff barriers they have against American products. Uh, that's an important fight. Everybody, every president and everybody in the world, the Europeans, everybody else, always likes to go, oh, we should all work together. Well, the United States is doing all the heavy lifting. The Europeans are cheering us on from behind. That's the true leading from behind business. Um and when we win, they'll benefit too, because every European will go, Yeah, we need the same deal the Americans have. So once again, in the world, we're kind nobody else has been willing to do this. Not previous president. They whined about it, they asked them to stop it, they didn't you know, but the President's Trump said enough is enough, we're doing it. It is all tariffs or taxes on American consumers. That's who pays them. Somebody else doesn't pay them, we pay them. It is It hurts. Uh, If we can get a good deal, if we get a deal, anything close to what they almost had, that would be worth the fight. Uh, And the sooner we can do that, the better for the economy. Uh, And this will not be the only fight we have with China. This is a huge step forward. It won't be everything that we would want or ask from, you know, Canada or France. but, But it's a huge step forward and something that has never been done before and somehow When that does come through, and we have that breakthrough, Nancy Pelosi will probably whine about it, just as she did the president's success with Mexico. We're trying to get Mexico to do the right thing on the border, which they used to, and then they quit. You know, keeping people from flowing across from uh, Central America into the United States. They didn't like. They didn't want them coming into Mexico. They didn't mind so much them coming in and going through the United States, and. They've agreed to stop that. It's within their capacity. We're not asking them something impossible. They can do this. They say they're going to. They know the penalty for uh, betraying their president's confidence is to have those tariffs go in. I do not think that will happen. It will be clearly their fault if it does, not not the Americans' fault or Trump's fault. Uh, so I think that the president has wielded a very dangerous weapon, tariffs. Um, because tariff wars can go on for a long time if they're not managed properly, and we get these things wrapped up, I think it'll be down up with the president's success on deregulation, lower taxes, and movement to restore free trade with countries that had been disingenuous in dealing with us. Right. Those will be, I think, the three things. And four. No wars. No wars. No wars. Which you think is a low, you know, a low bar, but it hasn't been one that every president can.
2: Work well, no, especially with all of the aggressive, uh, you know, tactics of the Iranians with the tankers, for crying out loud. Uh, so, yeah, and now we're sending a thousand troops to the Middle East. So, you know, you're right. It's 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 not necessarily a you know a, a low bar. I mean, it's uh, it's actually it's actually sometimes a little more challenging to say no wars, depending on what's going on. Grover Norquist, the uh, president of Americans for Tax Reform, again, probably the preeminent tax analysis going in the country today. Grover, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it every time we have you on. Thanks much.
3: Enjoy the opportunity. Thank you.
2: Thank you. There's Grover Norquist joining us. It's 9.51, so we'll get a quick time out here and come back. Don't forget, now Day, since it is Tuesday. He'll be on at about 10.10 10, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 9.56, short segment here before the top of the hour. Don't forget Peter Kirsten now coming up. Thanks again to uh, Grover Norquist. Uh, did a terrific job of explaining so much on uh, the taxes, the uh, Green New Deal, the dangers thereof. By the way, it's on their website. Uh, it's on the um, uh, Americans for Tax Reform website that Grover runs. The list of all of the Democrat, parti- Democrats, particularly in the Senate, but most importantly, um, Democrats in the... Cesspool. Uh, President Trump has his own name, by the way, for the pool of candidates for, uh, uh the Democratic nomination. He calls them a Motley Crew, or the Motley Crew. And they are. They are a Motley Crew indeed. And they don't sing, so you know what we mean, the other kind. Uh, and, but I call them the Cesspool of candidates, but there's a great, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a, uh, a, a great, uh, comprehensive look at all of the Democrats who support, um, the Green New Deal, the massive ninety-three trillion dollar tax increase, and government takeover of virtually—I don't know—all of your our, our private lives, pretty much all of our private lives. Um, and uh, it's enlightening. You you should really look at it. It's online. In fact, I'll tweet it. I'll use that uh, at the top of the top of the hour or top of the hour break. I'll use that to send this to you. But just to run it down. Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Christian Gillibrand, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Jay Inslee, uh, Andrew Yang, uh, Julian Castro, Julian Castro, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke. I mean, they have all signed on for the Green New Deal. They have embraced it, and it's been co-sponsored in the Senate by the likes of Harris Blumenthal, Murphy, Hirono, Crazy Maisie, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Ed Markey, who actually co-sponsored this with... um uh, Cortez, Kelly Bunny, Cortez, Booker, Gillibrand, Wyden, Merkley, Klobuchar, and Sanders. So they're all there, and you should really just make these people more famous by their embracing of a $93 trillion cost, uh, full-on government takeover of private industry, private businesses, and, yes, private lives. Your homes, your vehicles, everything else would be... Uh, uh, would be impacted by this. So uh, Grover Norquist has it all kind of condensed there on one page. I'll tweet that, and I'll Facebook that as well. So if you are on Twitter and Facebook and Parler, I'll send it there as well. Uh, follow me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and you'll be able to get all the things that I share. All right, going to have uh, top-of-the-hour news now. Then Peter Kirsten now joins us next right here. on